Welcome along to episode seven of Behind the Sport. Uh, joining me again, of course, is Brent from Lux Performance. How are you on this rather chilly night in Perth? I am, I am cold. I am rugged up. I feel the cold. I hate the cold. Give me Darwin with it any day. Um, but no, I'm pretty happy. Um, man, we're, we're lucky to be in WA, aren't we, at the moment? Like it's, you know, everything's about, what, three active cases of this COVID junk? Yep. Um, and uh, motorsport... It's looking about a mid-June restart, so... Oh, even even earlier, depending what you're into. So if you're into yeah. Time Attack, uh, it's open earlier. Uh, man, there's been practices going. The uh, Outlaw Dirt Carts are on on the weekend, practicing. So, yeah, it's all looking really good, man. Yeah, nice. So uh, this, we didn't miss a week, which was just uh, needed a bit of a downtime. Um, and as such, April Welsh won't be joining us this week, but she will be here next week. Uh, instead, this week we have young Madeline Stewart, who's 19 years old, racing uh, for Brad Jones Racing, uh, which coincidentally our last guest, Nick Perkat, is racing for as well. Um, totally by coincidence that happened. Uh, and yeah, she had a start in karting, Spent a few years doing quite a few years doing that, and then made mm. the um, jump straight away into a Super Three. So, yeah, she joins us now, and we'll have a bit of a chat with her. Okay, thanks for joining us, Madeline. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's a bit chilly over here in Western Australia, so you're now living on the Gold Coast, I believe. So you've recently yeah. moved out from New Zealand and relocated. So are you guys nice and warm up there or are you a bit chilly as well? No, we're warm up here. So um, it's kind of started to rain a bit, but we're still about 20 degrees, which isn't too bad. Yeah, nice. So look, get a bit of history. Your grandfather, your father, your older sister, Ashley, have all been motorsport participants. Um, did you feel it was something that you maybe had to do to carry on the family sort of legacy or was it just something you're like, Hey, I'm really want to get interested in it. You know, let me go. Like how did, how did your motorsport journey get started? Um, well, actually being two years older than me, she started before I did and she actually begged for a go-kart for two years before mum and dad would buy one. Um, so dad basically said, no, it's too expensive and too time consuming. And mum was like, no, don't be silly. We'll do one club day a month. It won't be a big deal. Um, and then fast forward a few years, now we're racing cars and living in Australia. But um, after Ashley raced for a couple of years, she moved into the next class up. And... Um, it was kind of my chance to have a go in her go-kart and I went out to the track and I did one day and I came in and I was like to mum, I don't really like it. And um, mum looked at me and said, just give it six months and see how you go. And then we'll chat about it. Just, you have to give it a good go. And so I was like, okay, we'll just have a crack. So I raced and she didn't ask me again and kind of here we are. So. I don't know if I planned on it getting to this point. I never felt like I had to do it, but yep. I did grow up watching Bathurst since I was a baby. Dad put us in front of the TV so we could watch it. And yeah, so it kind of just ended up happening. And I feel really lucky that I've got to have this journey. So 2015, in a Hot Shots feature, you mentioned you were, your goals were to actually end up racing in Europe or America. You also mentioned V8 supercars or Formula One as uh, your goals. And, of course, you're in the feeder category into supercars, so that's obviously getting, getting you know, towards that stage. Uh, have you changed those goals since you've got any further into your racing career or have you wanted to sort of go after a different category um, you know, like Formula One would be your ultimate goal or, you know, where are you at at the moment? Um, at this stage, we are on the path to supercars. I love supercars. I honestly, I love the racing. I love the fans. I love the whole environment. I just think it's such a cool category. There's not many categories in the world where 
cars race as hard as they do in supercars. Like we see some of the best racing and that's what I'm all about. Um, but I've also had some really cool opportunities in the past year come up with Earl Bamba Motorsport. So I've been driving a Porsche for them over in Asia. So I think that's a really cool opportunity as well. So I'm kind of seeing where the two paths take me and we'll see where we go. As long as I'm racing something, then I'll be happy. Yeah. And just quickly on Earl Bamba Motorsport. Now, earlier in the year, in February, you're actually at Sepang racing for that team. How did, you, how did that opportunity come about for you? Um, it's really cool, actually. Being a Kiwi, I'm lucky that I get some of the opportunities I do. Um, but Will Bamba messaged me on Instagram and we kind of just started getting chatting and he actually messaged Ashley as well and just said that we should both come over and have a go on their car and see how we go. Um, both Will and Earl are awesome at supporting New Zealand drivers. So I think that's really cool. They've had some really cool success. So for them to give back to up and coming Kiwi drivers is just a really good thing to do for New Zealand. So yeah, they kind of messaged us and said we should come over and have a go and we arranged that and it's kind of just developed from there, which is awesome. So last year in August, I actually had the chance to go over to Sepang and did a bit of fanboying, you know, being like, oh my God, I'm at the Formula One track and, you know, taking photos and everything. How was driving around Sepang for you? It's, it's actually really crazy. Like when I look back on the past two years, it's crazy what I've done. I mean, even I remember the first time I drove a V8 supercar and I was like, oh, you know, I came home. I was like, oh, I feel like I didn't do that well. And dad was like, do you realize how cool it is what you just did? Like, it's sometimes we have to really appreciate it. And it was the same thing when I turned up at Sepang. Like, we walked in and even seeing the amount of seats they have in the grandstands, like, imagine that full for a Formula One event. And then the first time I drove out on track, it's just like, you have to kind of take it in because those experiences are just really cool I feel really lucky to get to do that and then when we were there practicing we had one day where it absolutely poured with rain like you know rainy season in Asia it was flooding um, and then we also got to drive on the track at night so there was a few different kind of challenges in there but it was it was a really cool experience. Yeah that's awesome um, so step back a little bit 2017 you won the South Australian Rotax uh, 125 light state title 2018 you were runner-up in the kart sport new zealand national sprint championship in a in kz2 and then 2019 you found yourself in a super three like how does that happen though obviously there's, there's a relationship between tom williams and motorsport who i believe you were racing for in new zealand at the time and uh, brad jones was that you know i guess how it all came about um yeah that's just huge let's take that step straight from carts to super these i mean i think that's pretty cool you know yeah yeah so it's definitely a a unique way to do it um yeah so i met um brad through twm who i was racing for in australia at the time and we kind of sat down and was chatting to brad about the next steps that we take and we were looking at our options, you know, the standard Formula Ford or Toyota 86 and kind of seeing where we go from there. And he pretty much looked at us and was like, oh, don't worry about it. And we looked at Brad and we thought, you know, like, oh, come on, you can't go straight from a car to a supercar. And he just said, the things you learn, I mean, a supercar is such a unique car, as everyone knows. You may as well learn the foundations in that car and just kind of build strong, good, healthy habits in that car and learn from a good team. So I think you should, you'd be good enough to just go straight in. And he wanted to give us that opportunity. So we went to the track and both Ashley and I um, drove the supercar and we did a couple of days. And he was like, no, I definitely think you'll be well good enough to go straight to Super 3. So when we first signed up for it, it was still the Kumo series. And there wasn't that many people doing it and it was kind of, you know, just a, a smaller category. And then all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of really successful drivers coming and signing up to do it as well. 
um, which definitely upped the ante a bit. But it was really cool. It became a really highly competitive class last year, so I learned a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. Look, I, as of you know, I think it was amazing. You know, just to take that step, and I think Brent would probably agree. It's um, yeah, unusual, but pretty damn cool for them to see that talent to push you straight into the supercars, uh, especially yeah, well, with, with them being so different as well. Yeah, it's probably, it's a, it's a kind of a cool take from, from old Brad, like to, it's, it's probably spot on. Like, um, go-karts is, you know, they're, they're not overly transferable, but, uh, once you've got your race craft down, your spatial awareness is right. You're in a, you're in a performance mindset. That's where you want to be. Um, yeah, from a production-based race car to a touring car, there's miles apart. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it makes sense. You know, it's kind of cool to think of it that way. Yeah, um, no, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so, on Tom William Motorsport and Brad Jones, they've actually just recently announced a junior development program to assist karting drivers to be able to take the, you know, those next steps in their careers. How important do you feel these programs are, especially, you know, being still... You know, young yourself, um, you know, how, do you f- how important do you think these programs are um, to help and assist, you know, people like yourself to actually learn more about motorsport, not just the race craft, but also, I guess, the um, businessy side and everything else that they're going to be teaching those uh, participants? Yeah, well, I guess I've been really lucky in my journey so far. I've had Macaulay Jones as a mentor and he's been fantastic in teaching me all that stuff not just about racing but about how I be how I should be as a driver you know the real behind the scenes thing of being a driver which a lot of us don't really realize when we're karting we don't realize how much there is to actually being a professional driver the work that goes in behind the scenes the media appearances and everything like that so I've been really lucky to have Macaulay as a mentor and also me being in my rookie year in cars last year at the same time as he's in his rookie year in supercars it was really helpful to have that mentorship to learn off each other and kind of just chat to each other about our experiences and you know you think you're the only one going through those hard days and then you chat to someone else who knows exactly how you feel and that's really important so I think it's really great having those kind of programs to kind of teach people about the things other than just the racing. So it's, yep. yeah, it's a really good initiative. Is that something you hope in the future, you know, when, when you're, you know, hit your thirties and, you know, everyone says, Oh, you're an old person now for racing. Is that something, you know, that you want to get in, would like to get involved with down the track? Yeah. Something I'm super passionate about is encouraging young kids and, at the moment, particularly females, that they can do whatever they want. So whether that be racing or if they want to be artists or if they want to be mechanics, whatever it is, I just have a huge thing where I think all kids should be able to dream and chase after those dreams and do whatever they want. So I'd love to have, to be a part of something like that where I can help help young children. And I think programs like Dare to be Different, where I've seen um, people helping young girls get into motorsport, those kind of things. So, yeah, really awesome. I'll just deviate a little bit. Now that you've brought up the women in motorsport side of things, um, back in March, we actually did a bit of a feature and it was uh, ended up being nearly an hour long with 15 women in motorsport just talking about their experiences. Um, and one of the questions that I actually asked was about around the, you know, how would you... Um, try and motivate more women to get involved in motorsport given that it is very male dominated um, how would you you know encourage women to get involved with it I think the biggest thing is just making women aware of the fact that they can do it so I was really lucky growing up um, my parents were always chase after your dreams and my dad never looked at my sister and I and thought, oh, I've had girls, now we can't race. Uh, he actually had someone t- tell him once when we were at the go-kart track, he said, oh, bet you wish you had boys. And dad was like, no, not really. My girls do everything that I'd want boys to do. So 
Um, I think the thing is a lot of dads have sons and think, oh, I'll take them to the motocross track or I'll take them to the go-kart track and see what they think of that. But not many parents, when they have girls, think of that option. And I think that that's just part of the problem. Girls just don't know that that's something that they can do. So I think just bringing awareness to females that there are these opportunities and they're fully able and capable of doing everything like a man. I think that that's, that's the first step. That's the biggest thing. Yep. Awesome. Um, now, Brad Jones Racing, who you're racing for, actually, of course, has Nick Perkat in the uh, main category and we had a bit of a chat with him last week do you get much time to have a chat with nick at the track or is it um you know like he's doing his thing you're doing your thing and a big wall up between years or yeah what's the go with that no actually really lucky so being part of bjr one of the best things is that they incorporate their super two super three and supercars drivers all together and um, we actually get to go and sit in on the debriefs and stuff and I spend a bit of time hanging out in the garage so we all hang out together and I've also spent a bit of time with Nick because both our driver coach is BD from Arise Racing. Yep. Um, so yeah we, we spend a bit of time together he's really helpful he comes to some of my test days and goes through some data with me and teaches me a few things so having that kind of experience is just priceless like I think that's something I had a huge advantage with last year being with BJR rather than a privateer team. Having that knowledge from the main game drivers is awesome. So yeah, we spend a bit of time having a laugh and stuff as well. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think uh, like we had a really good chat with Nick last week and you know, not only just in the podcast, but off air, we had a bit of a chat as well, which, um, you know, was it's good to see um, personalities behind racing um, and, you know, they're not all just robots that, do what they, you know, do what they're told as such. And, you know, I had Adam Marjoram on uh, in one of our earlier episodes and, you know, could have spent, I don't know, what what do you reckon, Brent, four hours talking with him, just oh, dribbling, dribbling absolute shit with that guy, you know, and it was just refreshing, you know, to to be able to, um, you know, chat with you guys and have this chat where, you know, when it's not, you know, PR-orientated. And I think, um, obviously, you know, your mum's used to say, and I hope I get this correct, and I'm sorry, Andrea, if I get this wrong. <laughs> she is your manager and looks after your media side of things. Would that be correct? Um, so, yeah, kind of. We call her our mummager. Mummager, um, yeah. Like Christina. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and um, both mum and dad are awesome. So, dad does a lot of our um, media stuff as well. Dad does most of our Stuart Sisters Racing posts and. Yep. Um, Along with Ash and I, we kind of do that. And then mum does pretty much everything that, you know, all the background stuff. We couldn't really do it without mum. She books the accommodation and the flights and arranges for everyone to be where they need to be. And she comes to all the test days to make sure there's always food and, you know, the little things that just make the world keep spinning. (laughs) And look, I've, I've met her a few times in Perth and, um, Hello, I'm just going to say that to you. Yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, she's always up for a little bit of a chat, and um, yeah, it's just pretty cool, you know, just to see that family you know, involvement. And of course, you know, as you said, you know, your older sister Ashley was over here as well, racing last year. What's Ashley up to this year? Um, Ash actually has a really cool opportunity. So she has just finished her university degree, which is awesome. So she did that while she kept racing. Yep. Um, and full-time degree. So she's got a degree in communications and PR, I think. Yep. Um, and so she's this year working for Alabama Motorsport as their PR manager, which is yeah, nice. really cool. Nice. That's, that's good. She's still involved with motorsports. So yeah. Yeah. That was, um, was good. Yeah. Meeting up with you guys last year. Um, now, speaking of last year, um, there was a car fire that you were involved with. Um, and just want to ask you a couple of questions about that. If, if we're still all good to go down that path, um, the immediate reaction, uh, when you realized the car was on fire, what was that for you? Um, so I've never up until then had that experience, you know, go-karts don't really catch on fire and, 
we kind of go through all the precautions of, you know, how to get in and out of the car safely and, um, and all that kind of thing, but you never really expect it to happen. Yeah. Um, mm. So the engine kind of blew up and I was really lucky where it happened because I could pull into pit lane yep. and I kind of like pulled in and I stopped and I was sitting in the car and I looked at my mirrors and I saw a bit of smoke and I was just, it was like everything happened really slowly. I kind of yeah. thought, oh, I should probably get out of the car. So I just unclipped my belts, took the steering wheel off and like getting in and out of the F1000, I'm usually a bit awkward. Like I kind of like forget to take the steering wheel off or don't unclip my belts properly or something gets stuck and I'm not that good, but everything happened perfectly. I just stepped out of the car, stepped away yeah. um, and pretty much maybe five seconds after I stepped away from the car, it just, kind of went up in flames a, a whole lot more and it's probably wasn't until then that I was like oh I could have still been sitting in there but I didn't yeah. I got out so it all was and, pretty calm at the time yeah and obviously um I think how you and I sort of first met was actually just after that and you know I'm standing there with a big camera you know trained on you at the time and that and you know I've yelled out over the fence and so just give me like, yeah, yeah, I'm all good. And you've just off you went. Um, what was your process? You know, I mean, I mean, obviously going, man, I wish that photographer would just leave me the hell alone. Um, what was your, what was your process, you know, with getting back into the car later that day? Cause I'm pretty sure you went racing again in the last race that day. Yeah. So I was actually super lucky. My, um, my coach BD, he was racing the same weekend and he actually gave me his car to drive in the last race. Yeah. And, I think at first I was not that keen to go straight back out. Um, probably not because of being back on track, but when you kind of have a mechanical failure like that, it's sometimes hard to trust what you're driving. Um, yeah. But I'm so glad I did. I think something my dad has always taught me is that after a big accident or anything like that, if you get straight back in the cart or car, then it all just goes away and you just remember the good things about it. Whereas yeah. if you walk away from something like that and you let your brain think it over for too long, then it becomes a big deal. So um, yeah, the fact that BD let me drive his car in that last race was huge. And so I just, you know, you just get back in and you just do it all again. You know, we wear all the right safety things. You just have to trust that even if I was still sitting in that car, I still would have been okay. Yeah. I think that's like a big thing to remember. Yeah. And I mean, as I said, you know, I was obviously right there on that corner when it happened and the fire is there pretty quickly and, you know, like, and it was funny, like hearing you explain uh, what was going through your head and that, you know, slowness of just, it was all so natural. And I remember actually watching you and like in my mind, I'm going, hurry up, get out of the car, get out of the car. You know, like I felt like I was panicking more than, you know, what I could see you, you know, because you're obviously just like, eh, whatever, I'll just do this and do that, get out of the car. And it's a bit what it felt like. And <laughs> And, um, yeah, so obviously, yeah, really glad that you weren't uh, injured in that and, you know, you kept racing because, um, you know, I was watching, obviously watching, I think that was the first time I'd come across you guys as well. So Yeah, I think was... the person that was freaking out the most was probably Ashley because she was yeah. actually behind me on track and saw the car kind of have a, bit, a few flames and a bit of smoke out the back. And yeah. I pulled into pits and she had to do a whole nother lap thinking yeah. about the fact that my car's <laughs> sitting there on fire. Um, so I think she was a bit panicked, but yeah, but that's just what happens when you're racing with siblings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could imagine. Yeah. You'd be <laughs> definitely in the back of your mind. So um, you see the muscle memory from the, you know, the trials and the, and that taking over and just the process just happens, you know, people sort of take it for granted or don't see the um, value or get to it get a bit complacent with that sort of stuff and when you actually need it and when you can just be that calm of mind and like you're saying normally when you're in a in a um like an f1000 you're tripping over yourself or you're forgetting to unclip a comms cable or whatever and when you actually need to do it it's just calm steady don't get out step away safe yeah it's good news 
Yeah, I was lucky. Um, my shoulders are also narrow enough that I don't have to take the headrest off. So I could, I could just like shimmy out um, and just twist my body out. And then I think I spent longer standing next to the car looking at it like, like put the you fire did. out. <laughs> you <laughs> did. I was like, away. Yeah. I'm like, what car? <laughs> yeah, look, um, yeah, they there's a there's a few photos of you standing there staring at the car, so <laughs> it's um, but yeah, I I thought it yeah yeah I, I don't know what else to say, but yeah, I, I am glad you're okay, and obviously yeah, yeah oh, you yeah. keep racing, so yeah, that was yeah. Cool. I think it's awesome that BD gave you the drive later in the day as well. That's that's pretty cool. And like when we talked to Nick about the big shunt he had, like he went straight out the next day on his cart just to thrash some laps out, just to get the body straight back into the pro probably not the right thing to do, but uh, <laughs> you know, just the body just takes over muscle memory happens and it helps. I know probably helps with the psychological side of it. Yeah, for um, sure. But yeah, fires are, fires are pretty scary. Change. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, <laughs> so is when, you know, someone forgets to take the handbrake off their car and has sparks out the back of their cars and being thrown around uh, on a raceway, but let's not talk about that. Poor handbrake. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the other thing, obviously, with no racing going on, there's been a lot of virtual racing going on, and you have been involved with the Porsche Carrera Cup Asian Virtual Edition. How have you found the difference from the real thing in the simulator? Uh, it's really different. Like, I think it's hard for viewers sometimes to comprehend the, comp the, the problems that you can have with computers. Yeah. Um, so the first race I did, there was a lot of flying cars and cars coming off track and back on and blinking. And it's quite hard to get a visual reference when the cars are doing that. Um, but honestly, like, the fact that we even get to do this while we don't get to race is so cool. Like, tennis players, I guess, are hitting some balls around, but you probably don't get to compete with other mm. competitors the same way. And I think the Supercars E-Series has been such a cool thing to watch as well. So I'm glad we get to do the sim racing. And, and yeah, I think it's a, it's a cool thing to do. Yeah. Now, last night was the BP All-Star Celebrity Race. Did you manage to catch any of Brad's laps? Yeah. My favourite thing over the past couple of weeks has been watching Brad on Macaulay's Twitch. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brad is honestly one of the funniest people he I is. know. I love Brad. And so watching him do that is, is so funny. And we were so excited in the reverse grid race because he actually got into like third or fourth on the first few laps. And then all of a sudden we looked and he was like 20th. And we're like, oh, Brad, what are you doing? <laughs> so we, we asked Nick this, and, and you, you're as close to him as, as Nick as well. Do you reckon he's lost weight or he's, you know, he's starting to slim down? Oh, uh, he might have. Yeah, maybe, maybe a few less pies and, and energy drinks. <laughs> Brad has the same diet as my dad which is not a whole lot of veggies, which is quite funny considering Macaulay's like polar opposite. Yeah, um, yeah so it's funny, but... Maybe yeah, having all the fit freaks around him starting to root, wear off. Yeah, or well, maybe the, a bit of sim racing has been a bit, bit active and getting a good sweat on on the sim. <laughs> now, speaking of uh, the fit freaks, I believe you own a gym. Yeah, so... We're Tell us about it. <laughs> um, so in a few months, probably August or September, I'm hoping August, but um, we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to be opening my first gym, which is a fit stop. Um, yeah, and so Dad and I have both gone into that together. So he's kind of got the um, financial and business kind of experience, and I've just got the the passion and the PT qualification and kind of the, the drive for health and fitness. So we thought that would be a cool thing to do. I'm not very good just sitting around twiddling my thumbs in between races. So I thought I'd better find something else that I can um, really work hard on. And so, yeah, I chose to open a gym and I'm absolutely buzzing about it. I can't wait to open. Yeah. yeah that's a, I just saw the post sort of before the, 
whole lockdown started and, you know, like you signed on with them. So I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, something outside of motorsport as well. Are you reckon you're going to be able to convince Brad to come down and, you know, maybe you can do like a series with him of, you know, getting, getting, the, fo- getting the boss fit, you know, something like that? I hope so. Brad's so good at getting involved in that stuff. So I think I could give Brad a, a pretty good session at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> We might uh, might have to uh, email him some clips and go, "Oi, Brad, have a look at this." <laughs> it's um, it's actually just been. I'd say to Brent before we came online with you is that it just seems um, funny. Like we've had Nick last week and you this week. You know, in terms of you know, two Brad Jones racing. I think we might have to try and track down like Brad and actually get Brad involved <laughs> with this. You know, get the trifecta. You know, you've got you've got everyone else. And but um, yeah, so. Look, I think I'm I'm going to hand you over to Brent now. And, um, oh, here we go. It sounds ominous, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he is the, the geekier one out of the tours. So, um, yeah, um, Brent, take it away. Yeah, no, I won't, I won't, go, I won't go too hard. Um, it's, and, and it's, yeah, like, like, um, like Shane said, I, I like to ask a few more technical questions, more about racing. Um, you know, like I just... Uh, just yeah, get off on racing, get off on competitive racing. Um, and I love WA, even though I'm a Kiwi as well. So, uh, yeah. Um, so you've done a few laps at Barbagallo, which is or Wanneroo Raceway, I should say now. Um, what is your favorite part about the track and how, um, what do you, can you compare it to any other track in Australia for those that haven't been lucky enough to, to drive some of the other tracks? Um, the best part is coming over down the hill. Um, especially in the F1000, like coming down in the, the stopping distance is just awesome. I remember the first time I came over the rise, it's kind of like a, like a rush, which is really cool. I love that feeling. Um, I'm not sure what I would compare it to. Um, it's, it's quite technical, I think, because I think the, the cool part about a shorter track like that is that everyone can be okay. So it takes someone really good to be exceptional. Yeah, if cool. That kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's so. kind of cool. Yeah. Nick, Nick had a similar thing. He's like, Barbagallo, being a shorter track actually makes it harder because um, every bit you lose, you can't make up in straight line speed or, or sheer corner speed. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, another one, it's a sort of a, a nerdy question about supercars and our last guest had a bit of a controversial comment about this and I've picked up on it and I've been thrashing through Twitter about it as well. So what's your take on flatty paddles and supercars? Um, I hope they don't go to paddle shift. I hope they don't. Um, I think the cool thing about supercars is how unique they are. Uh, you see like drivers come from all over the world and they can be exceptional drivers, but you get in a supercar and it's a whole new challenge. And I think if you put pedals on it, it's kind of taking away one aspect. And something I love about the supercar is how raw it is to drive. Like it's, it's a race car, you know, like you're banging it down the gears and you've got a heel and toe. And I love that about it. So I'm, I'm all for the sequential shifter and hoping yeah, leave it no. leave it as it is don't yeah. put, don't put assisted shift in there and assisted throttle and no cool oh that's that's good to hear um so obviously uh this year's turned to custard but the good news is we've got some uh some dates that'll hopefully work out um is there any rumors or are you aware of anything um super three super two combining more super two v8 supercar combining um changes to tires across with potentially smaller fields what's what's the inside scoop on any of that i honestly wish i had something to give you but we're sitting here at the moment wondering like we have no idea what's going to happen i've heard that they were considering running one support class at each round um, but I don't doesn't look like that's going to happen now. Um, we obviously there were rumours at the beginning of the year of Super Three and Super Two joining. So maybe that'll come back up, but I really don't know. I just 
hope whatever it is we get to go racing soon no oh, fingers yeah just fingers crossed for that um yeah really hoping that the uh, october around here pulls off with the um the new calendar obviously there's a lot of racing over some of the very hot months in summer um being a kiwi um even though uh, i prefer the heat over the cold living in darwin for more than you know i was there um what is there anything you do differently how did how's the heat affect you you're not too phased there's enough heat management in the car or you know um mccauley's always pretty open that the heat thrashes him so yeah what's your take on that and you're already looking at how to maintain or, or to get prepped and race fit for that that environment yeah so the heat it's definitely tough like it's definitely a whole nother aspect that we didn't really have in carts um so i've had to learn that but um i have forced air in the in the supercar i don't have um, a cool suit or anything so it does get hot but the biggest challenge is actually the test days because on the test days we go from about 8 30 till about five o'clock in the afternoon so you're kind of going all day in and out of the car and those are the days that are really challenging i'm lucky enough for now in um super three that our races aren't too long so you know 20 laps maximum and the car's mm. not too bad i um I do a fair amount of training um, and stuff, so it's not too bad. I actually find a big challenge is Asia. Asia's even hotter than Australia. Yeah. And um, yeah, being at Sepang and then the Porsche, I have no cool suit and no forced air either. So I think that that makes Australia feel pretty okay. Yeah, cool. So the humidity is really what knocks you around over there. Yeah, but hopefully yeah. being on the Gold Coast, I, I climatise a bit more. So I'm Get hopefully, it. it's a good place to live. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, so with, obviously with, um, you're racing some pretty varied cars, very different cars, um, and they're all very, very high-end cars. Um, so obviously you don't get given a gig to drive any of that sort of weaponry unless you're good, right? So you, you've already proven you're good. Um, so then you've got a you've got a, a whole another challenge of getting up to speed really quickly, getting comfortable, set ups everything, being comfortable in the car, everything. What do you have a, a mental process you go to, and do you have any superstitions or any of that weird bad juju sort of stuff that you make sure you do this every time? It's one of those nerdy questions. If some drivers like them, some drivers are just like, nah, just have a can of drink and send it," you know. <laughs> No, I'm a complete weirdo. I'm very superstitious. Yeah. Um, I can't help it, but, you know, all the little things add up, maybe. Um, I am really big on preparation and notes and stuff. So it's really cool. That's one thing that both Nick and Macaulay have been really good with, um, sending me footage and notes before I turn up at a track that I haven't been to before. And then I can usually take those notes and use the sim and do a few laps and learn the track so when i turn up i feel like i've been there before which is um really cool so that's something i do always before i go to a track that helps with the learning process because like you said it's quite a big a big step mm. um and then just you know the the superstition stuff is usually more on a race weekend a really weird one is i always use the same toilet cubicle if things are going well. Yeah, um, if you get time. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a weird one that people don't seem to understand. Um, and then, yeah, there's just a few little things that I I do in the car on, on the start grid before we go out. Yeah, do you do like the, um, have you got like a breathing exercise or a, a wrist thing or something like that? I actually do this weird things where I like, I can't show you because I've got one hand holding my phone, but I push my gloves on further on each hand. Yeah. Um, so I think it started when I was racing KZ2 because when we pull up to the start line, we use our hands to roll our back wheels to stop them getting stuck to the track. Yeah. And then my gloves would always slide off a little bit. So I would just push them on further. And now every time I pull into a start box, I can't help but fix my gloves. Yeah. Um, so that's a little weird one that I do. That's a little muscle memory thing. That is kind of cool. <laughs> um, so with the, obviously driving some of the Asia stuff in the GD3s, um, or in the Porsches there, uh, how involved do you get 
like, and I asked Nick some of the questions about how he does, and I was actually blown away by his responses, but how, how involved do you get with the setup side of the car or are they just really well dialed compared to the amount of setup and practice you need to do in a touring car? Um, no, so we do a bit of setup stuff. I'm still learning a lot about that. It's, there's so much to it. There's so much more in a car than there is in a go-kart. And I've only, uh, this is my second year in cars. So learning all about the changes and the way that it affects the balance has been a huge thing for me. And also learning about driver inputs affecting the balance of the car. So I've had to make sure that I come in and I'm like, oh, it's understeering. And they're like, oh, well, are you sure you're not releasing the brake too soon? And we check the data and it might be that. So I've been really lucky both in Asia and Australia that all the engineers I've worked with have been awesome and improving my driving and helping me to understand the car. So we probably change a bit more in the supercar than we do in the Porsche. There's probably a bit less in the Porsche to change. Um, but a really cool thing I did last time I was in Sepang was I actually tested two different types of tyres. And that was huge for my driving. Um, we did the Michelin and the Hankook tyre. And they're both a very different tyre to drive on. Um, so I had to really adjust my driving between the two and really learn about how I can make the car work in different circumstances, which was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. That's, and what did you prefer? What's the scoop? Michelin. Oh, grip. oh Stewie's going to have a heart attack when he hears this. Uh, oh, I love the no, grip. <laughs> yeah. And they, um, so what are the tyres are they on this year? Are they on Michelin's or? Um, so I'm racing in the Thai Super Series. Yeah. So we race on the Hankooks, yep. but Carrera Cup is on the Michelin. On the Michelins, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, so I've got a, a, a bit of a pop quiz, so I don't take too much of your time. So these are just straight one or the other type answers. Uh, yep. Tin top or open wheeler? Tin top, I think. Yeah. Um, and then going down that vein, um, Porsche or Rural Field TCR? Porsche. Porsche or supercar? This is one I was worried you were going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, this is going to sound really like sitting on the fence, but I really love both for different things. Yeah. Um, I get but it. maybe if I had to pick one at the moment, I really love driving the Porsche. Nice. Yep. Um, if you could drive any race car, um now or um past what what would you be i think it would have to be a current formula one car i just yeah, think well. it's coolest thing like the way like have you watched their onboard it just seems unbelievable yeah. that they're even going to pull it up for the corner i'd just love to have a go i'm nowhere near fit enough to even entertain that <laughs> um push bike versus running running Ooh, okay yep yeah. Um, and our favourite New Zealand track? Race car track? Oh, you could go karting as well. I'm pretty familiar with most of the kart tracks as well. Karting track? Hamilton. Hamilton? Yes. City of the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, and future plans? Still karting? Um, yeah, what's the, what's the scoop? Yeah, so... Uh, hopefully in the next few weeks we're going to get back in the go-kart. So the track seems to be opening up, jump back in the KZ2 at Ipswich. It'll probably give the body a little bit of a shock. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and then as soon as we can get racing, we'll do that. Um, and I'm not sure when we're going to be able to get to Asia next. Um, mm. That's kind of a bit of an unknown one at the moment. Hopefully we'll get there at the latest next year um and then probably don't really know over the next few years i'm gonna um try and progress forward in the supercars pathway and hopefully go to super two at some point um and then maybe see where the porsche route takes me as well so lots of lots of options still at the moment fingers crossed man really yeah okay. pumped cool Thank all righty you. So um, 
A couple more things before we go. Um, teammates. If you're in a situation where, you know, you're doing endurance rounds and you had to have a teammate, if you could pick a driver from any era, any category, so it could be Formula One, could be Le Mans, could be supercars, could be 1900s racing, could be now, who would be your ultimate teammate that you would love to race alongside not only just for their racing, but also to pick their brain and go, give me more. Um, I think I would have to say Michael Schumacher. Um, I've listened to a, a few kind of podcasts about him and stuff and heard that he had some mega mind games. Yes, um, I don't know if you've yeah, <laughs> heard that. And I think that's really interesting. I would love to kind of observe that a little bit. and. I always remember a thing my dad used to tell me about him that he used to say when he turned up somewhere new, he would break at the same corner later and later and later every lap until he ran off. And then he'd go back to the lap before and that would be his breaking marker. And I just, I, I like that process of thinking. I think that that's a methodical way to find the limit, mm. which I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Um, another person who I really, think would make an awesome co-driver is Jamie Winkup. Yep. I think he is has probably one of the best attitudes to racing that I think there is. Um, you know, even on a bad day he still smiles and tries to work harder and I think he doesn't often put a foot wrong. So I think he would be another person. Wicked. Now speaking of Michael Schumacher, I don't know if you're aware of this little tidbit, but Michael Schumacher actually pulled James Courtney out of a Formula One car. Oh, yeah. After hitting a barrier at 306 kilometres an hour uh, while he was testing for Jaguar Racing. Um, I can't remember the exact year, but it was 2000 and something. Um, and he actually assisted the paramedics translating Italian to English um, to, to help out James Courtney. So it was funny you mentioned uh, Schumacher because I actually did an article about uh, of course, James Courtney coming back to supercars. And, um, yeah, funny you should mention Michael Schumacher because, obviously, you know, like, hey, look at this. You know, he's had a bit yeah. of interactions with the supercars drivers before. But yeah, that's yeah, pretty, cool. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, look, I think that might be it. But I want to give it over to you right now, uh, Madeline, is there anyone you would like to say hello to, thank you to, um, you know, people that have assisted with your career? Um, and I just did think of another question, but we'll <laughs> get to that one afterwards. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so is there, is there anyone you'd like to, you know, just give, I guess, the, the old shout-out to my peeps type thing? Um, to be honest, I've been really lucky in my career and I have had so many people help me right from when I was in cadets and go-karts. Um, the list of people is so extensive, but um, the Sarsiches and the Kinsmans have played a massive role in my career. So I want to say thank you to them. And then I also want to say a massive thank you to BD, my driver coach and um, Brad and Macaulay and everyone at BJR and then everyone at Bilbamba Motorsport as well because I'm just really thankful for all the opportunities I get um, and I obviously have to thank my family for coming around the world with me um, and supporting my goals and helping me chase my dreams so shout out to all of them because without them this would not happen. <laughs> yeah now the two family names you mentioned at the beginning um, for, I guess, people who aren't involved in motorsport and would be familiar with those names, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not one of those people. Um, I'm a very top-level guy, you know. I'm not really down in the trenches as such. Um, what, what is their involvement uh, to do with motorsport and getting someone like yourself on the track? Um, so if I'm going to be honest, when I first started go-karting, I was not good at all. I was really bad. I was really slow. Um, but these people never really accepted that. Um, so the Sarsiches and the Kinsmans 
and honestly, there's so many more people I could name as well. Um, like just thinking of more and more people from New Zealand karting that keep coming into my head. But um, they always came to the track, helped Ashley and I out. They would take us to the track if my parents couldn't. Um, they, Dan Kinsman and Matt Kinsman were both um, awesome karting drivers and they would always drive our go-karts and help us set them up and we would share data and they would teach us and coach us. And um, yeah, so those kind of people kind of help us to, um, helped us to keep going, I guess, you know, when you're running around the back of the field, some weekends you think maybe you should give up and those kind of people really help you not to. Um, and then there's also the Moore family who, um, encouraged my mum to bring us over to Australia and get us to race carts in Australia and that also was a massive step in my racing career because if I didn't start racing carts in Australia then I probably would not be living here or racing cars as I am at the moment so those kind of people at the time they probably don't know that they make much of a difference but they really do. Fantastic now Behind you, there is a heap of what looks like racing memorabilia. Do you yeah. have a favourite piece hanging up on the wall there? Yeah, um, I do. I actually have two and they go together. So this is my state title. Yep. Um, my blue plate from the South Australian state title that you spoke about. And then this is probably my favourite photo of all time. Um, so when I came in after winning that race, um, Ashley came in, she finished about eighth, I think, and she got out of the go-kart. I'm pretty sure it was still rolling. She got out that fast and <laughs> she ran up to me and just gave me this massive hug. And um, yeah, and you can kind of see on my face, I'm bright red and I just have the biggest smile. And yeah, we kind of hugging and I just I'm lucky that I have such a supportive sister and um, that I get to go through this journey with her as well because it's there's nothing like having someone that completely understands it yep. so yeah I'm I'm super lucky fantastic well we're gonna let you go because um, it is getting quite late over there with the time difference <laughs> um, and thank you for having the chat hopefully we'll see you again over in Perth soon once uh, you know borders open up and uh, all that other wonderful stuff um, and yeah, thank you again for joining us. Um, please say thank you to your mother for um, <laughs> getting back to me with your details so we could have this chat. And um, yeah, best of luck with uh, the rest of this year and obviously your career. And of course, we will cross paths at some time. Yeah, thank you so cool. much for having me. Cool. No worries. Thanks, dudes. Alrighty. Cheers. Catch you later. Ciao. Bye. All right. Alrighty, so that was our guest this week, and um, that was good, man. I think we we might be almost ready to wrap this week up. I think, um, yeah, that's well, that's that's taking us out to an hour, pretty much, man. Um, yeah, well, I, I look, I think you know, like there's there's more we could talk about right now, but at the moment, until a lot of the stuff is firmed up, um, I think talking about racing dates. Uh, for things that aren't confirmed, um, is a bit, yeah, mm. potentially should, useless. You should put a link. <laughs> what in your in all your wizardry? Uh, you should put a link way? in. Yeah, put uh, a link in somewhere way. for your that, that little yep. montage you did. The return to the track, you know, the real sort of quiet yeah. build up you one. That was, that was sweet, man. I really thought it was cool. Yeah, I'm looking that's... forward to racing. Yeah, look, yeah. so am I. I mean, look, I'm chomping at the bit to get back out there and. Yeah, you know, just to be back at the track, to catch up with all you lot. Um, you know, obviously the weekend that just gone was supposed to be the Supercars Night Series, Night Race in Perth. Um, we got the new dates. Got the new dates. Um, it is a day race, but, um, you know, that's the end of October. Um, hopefully by then as well, the borders will be open because the Bathurst International is shaping up to be a massive, massive event over there. Mm. Um, and I'm hoping to get across to it, but uh, the borders are closed. I don't think I'll be going somehow. I don't think I can say that it's essential that I go. Um, 
and I don't want to be that guy. So, oh, I'm yeah. just hoping it all, it all shapes up and gets going. Um, yeah, you know, nothing, nothing turns me on like it's like good competitive local racing. I just really, yeah, yep. just can't. And I know this. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people have everything ready to rock and roll. Um, hopefully, we see some more big baggins come back. Um, you know, there's rumours of a few more big tin tops coming back into the state, so I'm kind yep. of keen to see that. Really am. Um, yeah, just yeah. And that was thanks for organising, um, Madeline, Man, that, that was. Um, yeah, look, you know, like obviously I didn't want to dwell too much on uh, the exact how I managed to meet her, you know, given that it was such a intense moment for her, you know, like stepping out of a car fire and, um, you know, I was just happened to be in that lucky position as such that I was able to you know, fire off a few frames in that, but um, which are subject to a very exclusive uh, contract. So I, I can't even share those photos anymore, um, which is fine because... Um, we don't need to see those out there, really. At the end no, of the day, no, yeah, you, you know, don't like, it's no. What what would I, what would I gain out of it, really? Like some shits and giggles, some well, not even giggles, but no. you, you know, some far, likes you gained, and whoopee. You gained far more. You gained you know? a long, long term, uh, you know, relationship with with a professional driver. It's doing some yeah. wicked stuff, and you know, yeah, and that's open. Awesome up, to know? yeah, and awesome to see what her sister's doing. You know, with the um, completing a uni degree and then going working. Um, but Earl Banner, they're over there. Like, yeah. man, that's, that's, he's one of the monsters of motorsport coming from New Zealand. So, yeah. Yeah. And look, it's, it's also, um, I mean, it was hard, you know, knowing and uh, having met both of them, it was, um, you know, I guess always the question that had to come up is, you know, what what is Ash doing? Um, you know, because Madeline has been um, so fortunate with what she's been doing, you know, to get to be in the, the Brad Jones outfit. Um, you know, and watching you know Ashley out on track as well, and you know she was racing the Radicals here in Western Australia uh, mm. when she was over here, and you know and she was doing well in the National Radicals as well. So, um, you know, hopefully when that all kicks off here, they'll be back over. Everyone else will be back over. We'll all be down to the track having fun, and um, which segues me into uh, when did you last go racing? We'll catch you next week. Yes.